Vanamali Gita Yogashram, Prishikesh, North India, situated on the banks of the holy river Ganga at the foothills of the Himalayas. This is the first talk in the series and is an introduction to the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. It starts with the Sanskrit slokas, which are an invocation to the holy book. Bhagavad Gita, by which Arjuna was illumined by Lord Narayana himself, and which was composed by the ancient sage Vyasa, and placed in the middle of the Mahabharata. O loving mother, consisting of eighteen chapters, destroyer of rebirth, shower of the nectar of immortality. Upon thee, O Mother, Bhagavad Gita, I meditate. Namostu Deviyasa Vishala Buddha Kullara Vindayata Patra Netra Yenatvaya Bharata Saila Burna Salutations unto thee, O Vyasa, of mighty intellect, whose eyes are like the petals of a full-blown lotus, by whom was lighted the lamp of wisdom, filled with the oil of the Mahabharata. Prapanna Parijadaya Sotra Vaitraika Panaye 
ज्ञानमुद्रा कृष्णा गीतामृदुहे नम salutations to lord krishna who is the tree of fulfillment to those who take refuge in him who holds the symbol of power in one hand and the symbol of knowledge in the other and who is the one who milks the nectar of the gita sarvopanishado gavo ोपालनंदन पाचोवशुदीर्भोक्ताजुनाफाइडेक्ट who imbibe the milk of the supreme nectar of the gita vasudevasudam devam samsachanuramardanam devaki paramanandam vishnum vande jagadgurum adoration to lord krishna who is the preceptor of the universe the son of vasudeva and the supreme bliss of his mother devaki and the destroyer of the evil forces bhishma drona tada jayadrada jala gandhara nilotpala shalyagraha vadi krupena vahani ोनाण Jayadratha for its waters the king of gandhara as its treacherous blue lotus shalya as the shark kripa as the current karna as the tidal wave ashwatthama and vigarna as its fearsome crocodile and duryodhana as its whirlpool with lord krishna ashwatthama and vigarna as its fearsome crocodile and duryodhana as its whirlpool with lord krishna as their boatman this mighty river was crossed over with ease by the pandavas ोदनाबोदिदेजनशक्तरहर देवीयमुदा 
May the spotless lotus of the Mahabharata, born in the lake of the words of sage Vyasa, sweet with the fragrance of the Gita, having many narratives as its filaments, blooming with the discourses on Sri Hari, the destroyer of the sins of Kali Yuga, and drunk joyously day after day by the good and pure men, become the bestower of all auspiciousness to all of us. Mugam garoti vachalam pangum yangaya devirim yatrupa tamaham vande paramananda madhavam Salutations to Lord Krishna, the embodiment of supreme bliss, whose grace alone makes the mute eloquent and the lame scale mountains. Yam Brahma Varunendra Rudra Maruda Sunvanti Divyaitavai Vedai Sangha Padakramo Panitadai Gayantiyam Samaga Jnana Vastida Tadjadena Manasa Pashyantiyam Yogino Yajjandam Navidusura Suragana Devaya Tasmai Namaha Adorations to that God whom Brahma, Varuna, Indra, Rudra, and the Marut praise with divine hymns, whom the chanters of the Sama invoke through the different parts of the Vedas and the Upanishads, whom yogis behold with their mind absorbed in him through a perfect meditation, and whose limits the host of Asuras and Devas do not know. To him, to that Supreme, I offer my obeisance. Hariyom Tattva Om Sahana Vavatu Sahana Bunatu Sahaviryam Karavavahai Tejasvinavaditamastumavidvishavahai Om Shanti 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 May He protect us. May He nourish us. May we learn together with concentration. May our study be enlightening and fruitful. May we never have any differences of opinion. Om Peace, Peace, Peace. Om.
then we can understand what is being heard. He is the narrator, he is the listener, and he is the enjoyer. He and he alone is permeating and enfolding our entire being. So we begin every chapter with a prayer to him, the Supreme Consciousness, Paramatma, who enacted the role of Parthasarabhi, the charioteer of Arjun. During the following days, we will be studying this book, the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Many of us may have heard of it, but before discovering its specific message, it may be good to have some idea of the uniqueness of its message as compared with the other great scriptures of the world. The world abounds with sacred revelations, religions, philosophies, sects, and schools. The history of religion has been the history of the fanatic clinging of the human mind to one or other of these creeds to the exclusion of all the others. And religion, which should have been a unifying force, has become a force for dissension and hatred. All scriptures and all religions are after the same truth. The truth is one and eternal. And the human mind, from the dawn of civilization, has been seeking for it, but through many different channels. So where does the disparity arise? The fact is that this truth, though one and eternal, expresses itself in time and through the mind of man. So every scripture must contain two elements, one temporary and perishable, belonging to the ideas of that period, and the other eternal and imperishable, applicable to all ages and countries. In the Bhagavad Gita, however, there is very little that is merely local or temporal. Its spirit is so profound and universal that all mankind, if they can comprehend its meaning, will be able to appreciate its message. Another feature of the Gita amongst the great religious books of the world 
is that it does not stand apart as a work by itself, as the message of the spiritual life of an enlightened soul like Buddha, Christ, or Muhammad. Nor is it the fruit of a spiritual age like the Vedas or Upanishads, but it is given as an episode in the epic history of nations and arises out of a crucial moment in the life of one of its leading personages. The Gita comes in the middle portion of the great epic, the Mahabharata, and its setting in this epic is essential to an understanding of its import. The teaching of the Gita must therefore be regarded not merely in the light of a general spiritual philosophy or ethical doctrine, but as bearing upon a practical application of ethics and spirituality in human life. There are indeed three things in the Gita which are spiritually significant, and they are the divine personality of the teacher, Lord Krishna, who is the avatar or descent or revelation of God in human form, which is a firmly held belief in India from ancient times. Though all existence is a manifestation of God, yet it is a veiled manifestation. The avatar, however, is a full and conscious descent of the Godhead in order to aid the ascent of man to him. So the advice of the Gita is given by the avatar or God incarnate. The recipient of the message is Arjuna, the prototype of the struggling human soul, ready to receive the great knowledge by his close companionship an increasing nearness to the divine self within himself. This symbolic companionship of Krishna and Arjuna, the divine and the human soul, is further dramatized by the fact that their dialogue takes place amidst the din and clamor of a battlefield. The teacher of the Gita is therefore not only the God who is transcendent, but the God in man 
who unveils himself through an increasing knowledge as well as the God in man who instigates all our actions and towards whom our life travels and progresses. He is at once the secret guide to our actions, the highest source of all knowledge, as well as the closest friend and relation of all mankind. This is why the Gita's message is still as fresh as when it was first given, because it is always renewable in the personal experience of each and every one of us. The central idea is to reconcile and effect a unity between the inner and highest spiritual truth in man and the cosmos and the outer actuality of man's life and action. The greatness of the Gita lies not merely that it is another point of view of the religious outlook, but it is a guide to each one of us in our day-to-day -day life. Whatever the problems we might face in life, whether horrifying or sanctifying, whatever the dilemma, it can be solved by the application of the Gita's teachings. Its meaning is so deep that the more we read it, the more we get out of it. And the more we live according to its teachings, the more our level of consciousness increases. Its message is of eternity, and so it has a timeless significance for all of us. The vicissitudes of life have no impact on this message because it arises from a source which transcends the transitions of everyday life. It is ranked amongst the Upanishads, which are the great spiritual texts of India. The subject matter is Brahma Vidya, which means the knowledge of the Absolute Brahma, the reality which cannot be further transcended. It is also Yoga Shastra, the practical teaching or yoga, which is the art of coming into contact with this Absolute. That is to say, it combines within its comprehensive grasp both the science of being and the art of living. And above all, it is Krishna Arjuna Samvada, 
the dialogue between man and his maker, between man and God. As the message is imparted to the eternal individual by the eternal Godhead, the teaching is also eternal. It is not a message conveyed in a temporal language to suit a specific occasion. But the occasion was taken to convey to the eternal human nature the knowledge of its relationship with the eternal absolute. The union of the individual with the absolute is the final consummation of the Bhagavad Gita. It leaves nothing unsaid, and the Sanskrit language in which the message is conveyed is known as Devanagari, or the language of the gods. So it is impossible of full translation into any human language and a mere reading of a translation, however good, will not give us full benefit. In the study of this book, we will have to make use of the ancient Vedic method of scriptural studies. There are three steps, Shravana, Manana, and Nididhyasana, listening, contemplating, and experiencing. Our first step is therefore to listen to the chanting of the Sanskrit verses with which we begin every chapter and to the discourse which follows. The second is to contemplate on the message and find out how far it can offer a solution to our own personal problems, and the third is to put it into daily practical use. The inner message of the Gita can only be understood when you delve deeper and deeper into the depths of your own soul, and when it has been assimilated into the very core of your being, then one acts the Gita and lives the Gita. The word Gita means song, and the Bhagavad Gita is the song of God and therefore the song of life, of existence and omniscience leading to bliss, sat, chit, and ananda. Hari Om 
Yeah. Uh-huh. 